This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live. We're back after a long break. Uh, in fact, the longest break in our history. Butes, good morning to you, mate. Steve-O, a very good morning to you and a good morning to all our listeners. It is great to be back and what a what a live venue we've got today, Steve. Yeah, seven, Sevens by the Sea at Budgie Woy. I love this event. In fact, the north end of the Central Coast is a jewel in the crown. Would you agree? How beautiful is it up here? And we're in the ninth year of this tournament. Just heard the hooter go off. So game started at around about 7.30 this morning. And alongside us is one of the tournament directors, Scott Moroni from the Lakes Rugby Club. Good morning, mate. Great to see you. Congratulations on everything. And what's happened so far? Thanks for having me on, firstly, guys. Um, so in the early games, we're just about finished the first men's pool. Uh, beat Merriweather, sorry, Merriweather beat Warnervale 19-5. Avoca Gosford, two of the local teams, had a nil-all draw. Nil-all? Nil-all. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. It's not soccer. <laughs> uh, uh, should you go to extra time? Some no, kind of shootout? No, they just get one point each, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, so, And then Lakes got up over Hornsby 14-7. And Kiama, last year's winners, beat Hamilton 24-17. Uh, now, you said they're five-minute halves in the pool rounds. And you said... Your team, Lakes against Hornsby, someone was about to ground the footy. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a really tight time frame to get all the games in. There's 47 games or something yeah. on the day, including finals. So the pool games can only be five-minute halves, and they start and stop on the hooter. So if you're over the try line, you haven't put the ball down, it's no you try. You could be streaking away, yep. yeah. scoring the most unbelievable <laughs> try ever. And, and the, the hooter goes, goes, you're done. It doesn't matter. It nah. does not count. It makes it very exciting for some very exciting finishes, that's so, for sure. So ninth year, is this bigger and better than any other year? I, I think you've got 26 teams. Yeah, so we're full this year, totally full, and we're restricted to um, teams from New South Wales country and Sydney subbies only. So that's the idea of that is to give every team that turns up the opportunity to play at their level. And yeah. be a chance of you know taking out the competition. I noticed you know there's a team here from Kiama, which is you know that's a three-hour trip for these guys. It a is. Couple they of teams from uh, Newcastle. Yeah, a few from Newcastle, a couple from Sydney subbies. Yeah. Kiama from the south coast. They actually won the comp last year, so they're back to defend their crown and won their early game. Yeah. You know, Butes and I were talking about this tournament, and Butes works for Oztag, and he said they're planning to do something similar to this, maybe on the Gold Coast. The beauty of your tournament is. There's a real carrot, and that's the prize money. And can you tell us more about who the sponsors are? Yeah, so uh, luckily this year, for the first time, we picked up a major sponsor for the event, which is Bendigo Bank. Many thanks to them. Uh, and we got a great a grant through one of the local pollies to help with the stream and the PA gear. So Is that David Harris? Uh, you've put me on the spot. I'm yeah, not sure yeah, I don't do the grants. But yeah. Come back to us. But yeah. I think Bendigo Bank... I think they deserve the first round of yeah, applause. Of like, so they're locals helping locals, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's much appreciated, and uh, yeah, and for the first time we've 
picked up a major sponsor. We do have some minor sponsors on the day, a local restaurant that donates some vouchers for the referees and players <laughs> of the finals, that sort of the, stuff. So Anyone listening, I'll tell them that there's two of the best fish and chip shops just a stone's throw from here, uh, as well as uh, one of the world's best pubs just uh, just across the road. So yep. it's God's country up here, isn't it? Yeah, love it, mate. Love it up here, the north end of the coast. We're a little bit forgotten, but uh, we don't mind it that way. Hey, Scotty, you said that in the women's, so they're playing at the moment. So there's men's and women's games going. You feel like it could be a local derby in the final later on. Yeah, Terrigal and Avoca are the two top teams on the coast here, and they've drawn in the same pool, but they can, if you run first or second in your pool, you get an opportunity to go on. Yeah. So they could meet in the final. Uh, in the other pool is uh, Briars, who played Terrigal in last year's grand final, so it be interesting to see what they bring as well. Yeah, can I just say to our listeners that your rugby club contacted us, I reckon maybe about six weeks ago, about bringing the radio show here, and... Thank you so much. And to any other clubs around the coast, we'd love to come to your venue in 2023. Scotty, I'll let you get back to business. I'm looking forward to an update on Terrigal versus Warnervale. So that game starts in the women at 9.21. And Terrigal versus Picolben in the men is being played as we speak. So they're our local premiers, Terrigal. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing how they go. Yeah, they're in our pool, unfortunately, but that's just the way it dropped. But, uh, yeah, so we might meet them somewhere later in the day, hopefully. Uh, surely yeah. you can, uh, you know, kind of do something about how, how, you, how the lakes drop. <laughs> nah, Favourable draw for the locals. Unfortunately, the, the way the tournament works is if you run first or fourth last year, you all get seated in a separate pool. Yeah. So the, you get rewarded for the results the year before and everyone else comes out of the hat. Yeah, so it's got to be fully transparent. Hey, by the way, what a great voice for radio. You're like the Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm a bit raspy, but uh, I'll be hoarse by the end of the day, that's for sure. Yeah, come and see us again. Uh, get back to business. Uh, we've got to go to Nick Montgomery, who's been waiting patiently on the line. Is this our first standing ovation of 2023? Of there They're is. running uh, second on the A-League ladder. Good result for the Mariners last night, too, because the Phoenix got beaten by Melbourne victory 3-1, and that means the Phoenix could have leapfrogged the Mariners into second place. But Mariners versus Sydney FC later on today. Nick, good morning. Happy New Year. Congratulations on everything the Mariners have done so far in this A-League campaign. Yeah, Happy New Year, guys. It's been a while since you spoke, so, yeah, I hope, hope you're all well. And, yeah, nice to, nice to finally speak again. It's, uh, it's been a great uh, season so far. Monty sitting in second spot. Big game coming up against Sydney FC. Uh, you must be happy with how the team's progress and obviously a couple of new signings as well from the Western United. Yeah, really happy with, with how it's gone. You know, if I'm being uh, fully honest, I think we should have another six, seven points on the board, which, you know, we've had uh, eight, eight VAR goals ruled out um, already this season, which is unbelievable um, considering we're only halfway through this season. But, um, no, all in all, happy with where we're at. I think we can be better. Um, and I think the second part of the season is going to be, yeah, it's going to be exciting for everybody. And the league's tight. Big game against Sydney FC today. And yeah, as you said, then a couple of new signings coming in. in Christian Tiahara, Dylan Wenzel Holds, and possibly one or two more in this window before it closes. So yeah, working hard to, to to keep strengthening the team and making sure that we're as strong as we can for for that push into the the, the latter part of the season. Nick, I was just talking to Buttes off the air about Dylan Wenzel-Halls. I think he's a fantastic signing, and he comes in after we've lost Garang Quoll. So it's a double whammy. Could you talk to us about Garang heading to Scotland and also about this you know, magnificent young player, 25-year-old Dylan Wenzel-Halls? 
Yeah, so look, obviously Garang was a, a global star, you know, a young boy that we brought through the academy that ended up on the world stage and second to Pele, having played in the uh, youngest, having played in the World Cup knockout stage. So, you know, you look at that and then he moved to a Premier League team. I think it's unbelievable for Australian football, amazing for the Mariners. And, you know, we wish Garang well, you know, considering he only started a couple of games for us. It was a real, uh, yeah, it was a real crazy 12 months for him. But, you know, we're really proud of of Garang, he's now alone at, at Hearts in, in the SPL in Scotland, so it's fantastic for him, and, and his journey continues. Um, so we move on from that one, and, and yeah, Dylan Wenzel-Holds is a player that I've really admired for a long time. A young player, very, very good attacking player, full of energy, scores goals, creates goals, and, and yeah, he was at Western United last season, helped them win the championship, and surplus to requirements this year, which is yeah, which I find really hard to understand, but that's uh, great for us. We managed to bring him in, and, and he made the big commitment to come, and you know, could have sat there on a big salary at Western United and he chose to, to make a commitment to come to us and continue his development and join a you know, a potent attacking force that, that, that you know, right now we're top scorers in the league, we create the most chances, so he's obviously a smart kid. Yeah, Monty, I, I like the point you make there about being the top scorers and creating opportunities because Steve and I were talking off the air, um, every game or every contest you're in, you, you're really truly giving yourself a chance to win the game. Uh, which is important, and it doesn't matter whether it's the uh, first minute or the last minute, the boys are still being competitive. And I guess any time you give yourself that chance, you're always going to uh, come out on top more times than not. Yeah, look, that's the mentality that we have, the mindset. We want to go out and win every game, Butte. So, you know, I think as a young team, you know, as a team that has the lowest budget, you know, uh, we have nothing to lose. And that's, you know, that, that's where I say to the boys, just go out and play, enjoy, you know, be, be disciplined, you know. You can't win games by being ill disciplined, that's for sure. We all know that. But, you know, we uh, I, I try and make the boys express themselves. And I love attacking football. So to be able to attack, you know, every opportunity, I think that's what makes it exciting to watch. Um, you know, we uh, we can defend better at times. But, yeah, you know, you, when you throw bodies forward and you, you try and score goals in transition, sometimes we've been caught out. But that's that's a risk that you take. And it's a, there's a lot more reward in attacking football and scoring goals than there is sitting back and, you know, hoping you don't concede a goal. Um, so, yeah, look, that, that's our identity. That's the way that we play. And, and the boys will continue to do that. So it doesn't matter who we play, where we go. We try and win the game. And that'll be no different today at Sydney. I love what Nick said yesterday. Uh, you know, it's a real rags-to-riches story, this mm -hmm. one. And that's what makes Sydney versus the Central Coast so exciting. Nick, you get some troops back. Can you tell us more? So I think one player in the front third returns and then a couple of key players in the back four. Yeah, look, Jason had, had, had a bruised rib last week. You know, we left him out and, and he came on and scored a goal. But he's back now. Jacob Farrell, uh, he's back. Storm Roo's back. Benny Nicololo's back from having having been suspended for four yellow cards. One, one wasn't even him, but they never rescinded it, um, which is ridiculous. So, yeah, we're full strength today. And uh, Dylan obviously comes into the squad. Um, you know, he's just adapting at the minute. So if he's not involved today, he'll be involved next week. Um, hopefully, um, but yeah, we you know we we've got a, a good squad and everyone's fighting for, for for spots in the team and that's that's what you need at this stage of the season. Hey Nick, can you tell us about that uh, brilliant documentary Access All Areas featuring Jason Cummings? I've seen snippets of it. I really love it. And one of my observations is about you, my friend. I think you need to start doing some yoga because come game day, you are like Mount Krakatoa. You could erupt at any given moment. 
No, nah, look, this is the thing with documentaries. You show 15 minutes of, of three months, so, you know, they can make it what they want. And, yeah, of course, I get passionate. You know, I like winning games of football and I'm a competitor. And the boys know that. And, you know, when they uh, when they show two minutes of, of, you know, they don't show all the calmness and the, and the tactical stuff before the game. They just, they just show... Uh, me getting uh, obviously a little bit agitated but yeah, that's what people want to see but that's definitely not me all the time it's just uh, yeah I think with Jason as well you saw two sides of Jason um, and, and yeah it's good you know it's, it's real life it's it's football and, and yeah I think um, yeah I think it came across well and and um, yeah we uh, we give them access and yeah it's, it's, it's good for everyone to see yeah beautiful seeing Jason with his partner down at Terrigal and talking about the life on the road of a professional footballer and he's been to places in the past where he's been by himself buttes and now he's got his partner with him the other thing that i really love and yeah we're having a joke with nick at the moment but i love that fly on the wall because you often wonder what's said inside the hallow sanctum of a football team look you know what i think it's great that uh the viewers can get an insight into what goes on and you know like you said monty there's you know little snippets here there where you're you know like Mount Krakatoa. Going Steve off the Richter scale. But, uh, you know what, that's uh, it's what people want to see. They actually want to see, because that stuff sells. That's, you know, the, the insight, the the knowledge to know or the understanding to go, okay, this is real. This is what's happening out there. Well, now, I do want to ask a question, mate, just in relation to, you know, where you're at and what you've been doing with the Mariners. Like, it's been sensational. Um, and I dare say you'd probably have aspirations yourself, like all the players that are playing the game, uh, to bigger and better bigger, I won't necessarily say better things, but bigger things when it comes to your coaching career. Has there been any opportunities or any uh, things that have come your way? Yeah, look, uh, uh, all, obviously there's been you know, interest. Is that something that you're looking to aspire to at some stage? Yeah, there's obviously been interest like, as a player when, when you do well, but to be honest with you, so I, you know, I don't take any any notice of it. You know, right now I just concentrate on, on virtually the old saying, I just concentrate on the next game. I don't think any any far ahead. I've never done that. I love I love being at the Mariners. I love the club. I really want to want to bring success to yeah. this club. And, and yeah, look, you know, when the team's going well and the club's going well, players, staff, you're going to get interest. But a lot of people, a lot of time, it's just you know, it's just newspaper talk and people linking your name with with jobs and stuff but no again it's uh, as a player I wanted to play in the Premier League and I managed that but that took me a lot a long time to, to get there you know and as a coach I'm no different I'd love to manage the Premier League one day but how you get there is is yeah he's is ultimately you know just by working hard and keeping your head down but right now I've, I've got no 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 aspirations to, to, to leave at all I just want to keep keep growing this club here and keep building the, the Mariners into you know the club that it is and that's the club that everyone can be proud of on the Central Coast and the community and you know developing young players or selling young players overseas helping the national team so yeah it's um, yeah, right now I've, yeah, I'm just happy just happy where I am Yeah Nick uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us on game day can yeah. you just give us an insight what happens between now and 5 o'clock this afternoon against Sydney FC yeah, look, all the preparations done. You know, we'll we'll go down to Sydney this afternoon and 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 yeah, just finalise with the set pieces and stuff. But nah, it's all about the boys now. We've had a real good week of preparation. We've got a couple of boys back from injury and suspension. So, you know, Bruce will tell you you can do whatever you want in the week. You know, you can only prepare as well as you think you can. And ultimately, it's down to the players. Then when they cross that white line, you know, they have to execute the game plan and they have to perform. And if they do that, we know we can win the game. So, fingers crossed. You know, seven o'clock tonight, we'll we'll, we'll be looking back and. 
we'll have a positive result. So um, yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely no given in any any uh, any any team sport. It's uh, yeah, whatever team deserve it on the day, mostly win the game. So hopefully that can be us today. Yeah, good on you, mate. Thanks for your time, and let's hope you close the gap between yourselves and the leaders, Melbourne City, who also play at 5 o'clock this afternoon against MacArthur. Nick Montgomery, thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Central Coast Mariners manager, Nick Montgomery. They're flying in 2023. Buttes currently number two on the table. Melbourne City on 28 points, Mariners 23. Like I said, a good result last night. Wellington beaten by Melbourne Victory, who are bottom of the table. Yeah. So they stay on 21 along with Western Sydney. We had a two-all draw against the Wanderers last week. What an epic game that was. We led, we were behind. 90 minutes of football can be incredible. And then as uh, Monty just said, Jason Cummings comes on and he claims it, comes off the chest, scores the equaliser. Then we hit the woodwork, I think, in the final yeah. minute. And you know what we talked about it, and you know spoke to, with Monty about it—the fact that they're in the contest. They, they, you know what, these guys want to score goals. You know they're playing an attacking brand of soccer or football that is just—you know what—it's good to watch. Yeah, yeah, they're my favourite team. Obviously, being in the backyard, but the way they play, their style of play, and that's yep. what—that's what Dylan Wenzel Hall said for MBN TV yesterday. That it's an exciting brand, and then you look at that final third, and there's so many great players there. Uh, you know. Benny and Cololo comes back today, but uh, Tulio has been fantastic. Uh, what about Sammy Silvera He's in his second stint oh, at yeah. the Mariners? Hey, we'll talk more football as the show unfolds because your son, Matty, has signed a new deal. We'll yes. discuss that a little later on. Uh, also, Butes' top three is coming up in a few moments' time. Not sure about this segment. We'll wow. find out more in a few moments. It's Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Sevens by the Sea at beautiful Budgie Boy. So the Lakes Rugby Club are hosting and men's and women's in action, $6,000 in prize money. 26 teams in action, over 40 games today. I can tell you one thing. Kayama Rugby Club are the reigning champs in the men. They've got very good taste in music. I'm hearing some Marvin Gaye yes. pumping through the speakers. Hey, we're about to do a new segment, but just before we get there, David Hall coming up. Yes. So David Hall grew up in this area. I've said on the radio show before. Statue? Should be a statue of mm. David Hall. He was world number one in wheelchair tennis, I think for around about six years, similar to Greg Norman. He just dominated on the wheelchair tennis scene. So he will join us he was to a Dylan Orcott. Yeah, before Dylan Orcott. Absolutely. Yeah. So he'll he'll dissect what unfolded at the Australian Open, which was just fantastic. Yeah. Also, a little later in the show, Gary Birkinshaw will join us with local cricket and uh, also about the Big Bash. Yeah, big final coming up. Scorchers taking on the Heat yeah. tonight. And Steve Graham will join us because yesterday was one of the great moments for Central Coast sport. Steve's son Matty was a winner at Deer Valley in the USA. Let's not forget, last year, Matt had absolute heartbreak with a broken mm. collarbone at the Winter Olympics. And then he comes out yesterday, and he was just brilliant. Is this AKA the hot dog? Yeah, AKA the hot dog yeah. is joining us. But right yeah, now, we've got a brand new segment. So this, we're about to roll in the intro. Now, Buttes, you're not across this, but no. earl earlier in the week, there was an intro recorded... And we had to go back to SEN and say you might have to do this again. Here was the first intro. 
Pukes Top 3. No, that one sounds good. There was another intro recorded. Not sure if Staples has got it back there, but we had to go back to the producer and say, can you punch this out again? Have we got that one, Adam? Let's see if we've got it. Pukes Top 3. No, no, that's perfect. It's not letting him play it. That's okay. That's okay. There was, a, there was an interesting pronunciation on Buttes. It sounded right? French. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> well, it's actually German, so it's okay. We're okay. But it's uh, our top three. Well, you know what? This is going to be a regular thing we have every week. And basically, you know, I'm looking at what's happened in sport and I'm going to base it over what's happened over the last six, eight weeks. Uh, and my number one, uh, well, let's start at number three. Yeah, let's I'll... start at three first and work our way up. Okay. Uh, number three would be the performance of the Australian cricket team over the summer against the West Indies and South Africans. Uh, and also Steve Smith in the Big Bash. He came out and got uh, the first century for the Sixers, which is hard to believe considering they've won so many titles, etc. 101 um, up in Coffs Harbour and then 125 in the Sydney Derby. Just phenomenal. Sydney yeah. smash. And, and, you know, one of the tough things for me is I like a contest. Yep. And so when you know, South Africa provided little, I, I was really excited. I thought that might be a fantastic series. But if it's a... If it's a one-sided affair, I lose interest pretty quickly. Well, it's a two-day test. That's it. Yeah. There was a test that finished within two days, yeah. which is just unbelievable. My number two is the Australian Open, which we're going to talk to David Hall about. But I think the performance of uh, Novak Djokovic was just unbelievable. To think that he has won that tournament on 10 occasions now, the way, the way in which he went about it was just clinical. And he was... Head and shoulders above every other player. Wiped the floor, didn't he? Mate, he, and you know, since the pass in that final was really competitive. In fact, two tie breaks, you know, sets two and three. But that's the difference between the quality players, and that's why he's won 22 Grand Slams, because he just knows where to be or, you know, what to do. It's like a good racehorse. They know where the finish line is. Yeah, you know, a lot of players struggle to even win a game yeah. against Djokovic. Yeah, it's one of the most dominant performances I've seen. Can I just go back to Steve Smith? Of course, yeah. he won his fourth Allen Border medal, so he equals the all-time record. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah, yeah, he's had a big, big season. A uh, big summer, f- over 1,500 runs across all three codes. Just a phenomenal... Uh, uh, and now they're about to go to the subcontinent. Yeah, yeah, they've gone over there, which is a real shame. You know, the Heat have probably uh, missed out because they don't have Usman Khawaja, uh, Matt Renshaw, or uh, Manus Labashain in their side, but they're still in the final against the Scorchers. Do you know, I heard Adam Gilchrist on SENWA yesterday. He yep. was on their breakfast show, and he said this is the most anticipated test that he can remember, and he said it's always been the greatest challenge for the Aussies in about the last six decades. Well, they haven't won over there since the... I think they've only won once, sorry since 2004, which is when they won their last series over in India. So this is a big, big test for the Australian side. You know what? They're in good form. Their bowlers are where they need to be. They know that they can get 20 wickets. That's not a problem. It's just about whether they can handle the conditions there uh, in terms of the batting. Hey, I'm loving this segment. Butte's top three. So number three is the Aussie cricket team. Number two is Novak Djokovic. And number Number one, one, uh, drum roll. Mate, it has to be. And it's great to finally get some sleep again. But the World Cup, yeah. soccer, my goodness, how good was that final? Argentina yeah. versus France, the two big dogs in the game. Is it, is it the greatest game you've ever seen? You know what? I've got to say, it's certainly up there. I was about to fall asleep, right? And yeah, you got up. I got up. I woke up. Yeah, I got up and, and watched it. My boys were there with me. 
But I was about to fall asleep uh, with about 10 minutes to go. Yeah. Then Mbappe scores again. And yeah. he's gonna, he, unfortunately, Mbappe is probably going to have a record that may never be duplicated, and that is scoring three goals in a World Cup final and being on the losing side. Like, that is just phenomenal. But we saw what many would say as the GOAT uh, probably get that cherry on top. Uh, you know, the final missing piece of the puzzle, I guess, for Lionel Messi uh, when you talk about, you know, he's done everything in the game, Ballon d'Or. Is it, isn't, isn't sport incredible because at one stage in that second half, so you think they've got one hand on the trophy. Oh, mate, it's all over. But, but then suddenly they can see the finish line in sight and they look wobbly in France who, you know, were disappointing for over an hour. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly they can sense that they got an opportunity. And they took it and took it with both hands. And that was a big thing. In the end, they looked like they could win. And, you know, the thing that impressed me most of all was the resilience of that Argentinian side. Because you're right, they had one hand on the trophy. Like, they were in party mode already, right? And the fans were celebrating. They were ready to, you know, lift that trophy. But, you know, to France's credit, Mbappe come back and scored two quick goals back-to-back. Uh, and their resilience actually turned that around and think about yeah. how they go about. What a moment in sport, going to a shootout. Wow. After a three-all draw. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. In fact, Mbappe scores four goals when you include yes. the goal in, in the penalty shootout. Yeah, mind-blowing, uh, isn't but it? But just, uh, you know what, it had me going I, for the entire four weeks, five weeks that it was on. It I, was. I could not agree more. Uh, actually, my son Corey was in the U.S. He did a couple of things. So he watched, the, he watched France play in a French cafe in Los Angeles. Yeah. And then the other day he went to see LeBron James play at the L.A. Lakers. They played against Philly. So not only does he see LeBron, Anthony Davis was out, but he gets to see James Harden. Yeah. Uh, he gets to see Embiid, who's a seven-footer. And it, it's a one-point ball game. But I was spoiled, Buttes. Like, after watching the World Cup football, I found it hard to watch any other sport for a couple of weeks because nothing can stand up to what we saw. It is the pinnacle in it. Like, when you think about, you know, it truly is the world game. And it captures the imagination of, you know, there weren't too many people that weren't conscious about. And, you know, we think about what the Aussies did over there and how they performed. And, you know, ultimately, they ended up getting beat by the world champions yeah. in Argentina in the quarterfinals or whatever it was. Well, both of the finalists. Correct. So, you know what, there's no shame in what they did over there. And they were, you know, extremely um, proud of what they achieved. And, you know, uh, Graham Arnold's been rewarded now with a new four-year contract, which he, you know, thoroughly deserves. Um, but what a tournament it was. It was absolutely sensational. And, you know, the, the talk and the controversy about it being over in Qatar and, and all those things, you know what? It wouldn't have mattered where that tournament was. This is the World Cup of Soccer, and it was it was a showpiece, and it was something that the game should be really proud of. Graham Arnold did a better job of uniting everyone around the national team than any other side I've seen. And now Eddie Jones is back at the helm at the Wallabies, mm. and I'd like to discuss that at some point because... He said something similar. He wants everyone to get on board with this team. And, yeah, like the old days when we all used to love the Wallabies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, going back to the 90s and the early 2000s. We're off to the news. Well, that is Butes' top three. Here we go. Well Well, done. Well done, buddy. We'll come back next with David Hall. We'll talk some more tennis after Novak Djokovic creates history at the Aussie Open. This is Saturdays on the Coast. By the way, if you you want to check out anything, we've got the Catch-Up podcast. All you need to do is download the SEN app. Butes... Just before we go to the news, you'll be surprised to hear that we actually rated, I think in Egypt, we popped up on their top 200. Saturdays on the coast was trending in downtown Egypt. 
This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Sevens by the Sea at Bunty Roy. So this is the rugby tournament uh, in its ninth year. Thanks to Scott Maroney, the entire team at the Lakes Rugby Club. We can't thank them enough, Buttes. And it's just gorgeous where we are. Blue skies, not a cloud in sight, little light breeze and plenty of rugby action. You just said uh, the Terrigal girls are in action at the moment, Buttes. So yeah, I think they got the job done. To be honest, I think they scored a couple of tries um, against, I'm not sure who they Against Warnervale? Warnervale, yeah. I think they got the job done, which is great for the girls. So one of the greatest athletes, female athletes on the Central Coast, Anne Jones, mm-hmm. is a part of that Terrigal team? She certainly is. Uh, Sean George, who I coach in the uh, the Oztag side for uh, Central Coast Women's Open, she's uh, part of that crew as well. Some really good players out here. Uh, coming up soon, Linfield versus Avoca. Briars from Sydney versus the Lakes. This is in the women's draw. Razorbacks up against Hamilton at 9.57. In the men's, just after 10 o'clock, Warnervale versus Linfield. Hornsby up against Terrigal. Avoca versus Lake Macquarie. Kayama, the reigning champions, they'll play at 10.45 against the Razorbacks from Arimba. And Merriweather versus Southern Beaches. So plenty of rugby action and, of course, the finals being played later on today. Hey, one of our great mates is here. You've already bumped into him, Big Ross Baxter, who yes. used to be a part of the show at 2GO. Yeah, he was. I saw him earlier on and he's watching his daughter who is playing for the first time. She has never, ever played a game of rugby, but uh, nothing like throwing yourself in the deep end and playing uh, rugby sevens here at... Uh Rugby by the sea. Yeah, she's uh, she's a former netball player, and this is one of the big, massive growth areas for women's sport is rugby. Yeah, oh, it certainly is. It's amazing uh, how much the game. And you know what? That's all female sport. It's great that there's so many opportunities, and we've, you know we've spoke about it numerous times. But the number of opportunities now for young girls. In fact, there's probably almost too many opportunities because your best athlete is going to be your best Oztag player. Is going to be your best rugby union player. Is going to be your best league player going to be your best whatever it is touch footy player all right so they've got so many options now best afl player whatever it may be these girls are so broad and we've seen uh, you know at the top level where we've seen players that have gone from afl to rugby league or rugby league to afl and vice versa and we saw it with the men with israel Folau and uh carmichael hunt and we're going to see it more and more so, I think, with the females. Well, look at the uh, Rugby Sevens team, which Faith Nathan is a part of, and yep. also her cousin Soraya Packy. But uh, Charlotte Kaslick, I think she's just signed a new deal. So she jumped across to Rugby League for a little while, now back in rugby. Hey, let's get to our next guest. We've been looking forward to this one. And this is another standing ovation. Yeah. It's for the great David Hall. Now, I've said here at the north end of the coast, there should be a statue of this guy. David Hall, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, boys. Great to see that you're in my old stomping ground of Budgie Woy. Yeah, so this is where the magic, where it first started for you. Uh, can you take us down memory lane? Who were your early coaches at this beautiful end of the coast? Well, the crazy thing is that I didn't have a coach really for the first couple of years. Like when I was a kid, you know, playing at, at 12 years old on those courts at, at Budgie Woy, I didn't really, uh, with my buddy, uh, Paul Brown, we would just muck around for a couple of years. And then I think, well, we hit age 14 and we were like, man, maybe we should get some lessons. And and so, <laughs> yeah, we looked up uh, good old Alan McDonald at, uh, at Tookley and he 
macaron the, the squash courts uh, at Budgie Woy and also yeah did, did lessons uh, at Budgie Woy tennis courts as well so yeah I've got plenty of great memories in uh, in Budgie Woy that's for sure. Yeah, David, I remember seeing a video with Kurt Fernley and he said that when he was young, he had some people that believed that he could go all the way and they backed him every step. And I guess when you're young, you need those people around you that really believe in what you could achieve. And then eventually, we said earlier, I think you're number one in the world. Was it for six years in a row? Yeah, I was number one. There was, uh, well, a few seasons there where I... You know, had well, I dropped to number two, and then I think one year '96 uh, dropped to number three. But yeah, I was number one uh, for the well, finished the season number one six times. Uh, but yeah, I'd say for the better part of, uh, of ten years, I was either number one or, or number two or number three. But no, you're right, and I think like early on for me, Macca, like he was such a great influence and. He had never coached wheelchair tennis before, and it was just that we just met uh, at Tukley one day, and he said, Halsey, what are you up to? And I said, mate, I've just actually started playing wheelchair tennis. And and so we got on the courts at Tukley and, and started having lessons, and, and that was really the, the beginning of, of my wheelchair tennis journey. Is Sydney your greatest moment, or if it's not, what what tournament would be? Oh, look, yeah, I think so, Steve. I think Sydney is my best moment. It's probably not the best I've ever played, but I think just in terms of prestige and, and dealing with the pressure, and I think the one that I wanted the most was Sydney because I knew it would never happen again. I'd never get that chance to, mm. to win a gold uh, at home. And so, yeah, I think just like the memory of being up there. On, on top of the dais with the Australian flag being raised and, and the crowd singing the, the national anthem in the stadium. It was just, in some respects, it's like, you know, it was yesterday, but it was, uh, yeah, 23 years ago, which is so hard <laughs> to believe. Uh, Holly, speaking about uh, stepping on top of the dais, we saw last <clears throat> Sunday night, uh, a gentleman that has done it 10 times at the Australian Open in Novak Djokovic uh, and equals Rafa in relation to the number of Grand Slams, that being 22, uh, which is the all-time record. What a performance it was from him um, throughout the entire tournament when you consider, you know, the uh, controversy last year in relation to COVID and all those things and his immunisation um, or vaccination uh, and where he stood with that. But just an amazing performance throughout the entire tournament. He absolutely dominated uh, that men's tournament. And uh, I guess Sister Bass was, you know, pretty lucky to be uh, as close as he did. You know, he got two tie breaks in that final. But, um, you know, it's still a straight sets win. Just a phenomenal effort. Yeah, it really was. And I think he's just so tough. Novak, mm. it's, it's, I think physically when he's near his peak, he's just so tough to get the ball past. And you could kind of tell, like the first few rounds, he was he was good, but he wasn't at the top level. And then I think once he got through that, that match with Dimitrov, uh, when it looked like his hamstring was really playing up and he was just having trouble playing defense. I think once he got through that match, it, it really looked like he just... He put the turbo on and he just went to a whole nother level and he pretty much just, yeah, raced through 
Alex Simonor and, and Rublev and, and Tommy Paul. But I think in that final, he probably... I, I don't think he played his best, but when he had to, he really just stepped it up. And I think, yeah, Stefanos just... He just made a couple of errors in, in those tie breaks. And Novak is just... I mean, Grand Slam finals, he's just incredible. And he's just so tough. And yeah, as you said, now on, on 22 slams, I think... If you're a betting man, you'd, you'd say when it all uh, ends up in the long run that he's going he's gonna to finish with the most slams ever. Hey, Dave, can you stay with us? We just need to go to a quick break and we'll come back in a moment and continue the conversation. Yeah, no problem. Sounds good. David Hall joining us, former world number one in wheelchair mm-hmm. tennis. Hey, Butes, uh, I like what David just said. Like, I love the run of Demon Ore. And, you know, he was disappointed afterwards, but it shows that next level. And then we love the run of Tommy Paul, and we were cheering for Tommy Paul and yeah. hoping that he could make it a contest. But around about that time, Jim Courier said in commentary, and I thought this was a great comment. It was picked up by a lot of people on Twitter. He said, forget about what the ratings say. Novak is by far the best player in the world. And he went on to prove that, didn't he? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know... The- the rankings, you know, have sort of been a little bit miscued based on the fact that, you know, what happened with COVID and uh, points not being allocated during Wimbledon and all those things. But, you know what, he proved it that he is the number one player in the game well and truly. Yeah, in the next break, we'll also talk about the women's champion. That was a great game. It went to three sets. Uh, we're back in a few moments. It's sevens by the sea, the rugby tournament at Budgie Boy, And this is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Sevens by the Sea at Budgie Boy Butte. You just spoke to your great friend, Ange Jones. What a superb sports person she is. And they had a good win? They certainly did. They had a good win, and uh, which is great start of the tournament. And as uh, Scott said earlier on, they're... Uh, they're certainly one of the favourites going into the tournament, uh, and along with Evoca. Yeah, let's get back to David Hall, yeah. former world number one wheelchair tennis player. We've got five minutes. David, can we talk about the women's final? Sabalenka up against Rabakina. And congratulations to both young women. I watched a, a fair bit of the women's singles. The final went to three sets, 4-6, 6-3, 6-4 at the Aussie Open. Oh, it was getting a bit tight there in the end. I know that that last game where Sabalenka was serving was going uh, juice ad, juice ad, and and there was a break point in there as well. So I think the crowd almost wanted it to keep going. I think they wanted to see a a third-set breaker, and I was just really happy for for Sabalenka because she's probably the best player the last five or six years not to have won a slam uh, in the women's event, and yeah, she'd made three semis and she could never quite get to the final. But then she just kind of put it all together over the course of, of the two weeks. And I mean, for me, it was interesting that, you know, she was, uh, I think it was late last season where a coach said, I just, I don't know if I can continue to, to coach you. And, and she said, look, I no, stay with me. I think we can do this. We can get this over the line. We can win a slam together. And I think it was just great that you could see him in the stands uh, after she won that match point that, like, he was literally, his head was bowed and, and, and he had tears in his eyes. And I think that was uh, that was great to see. 
Yeah, Belarusian up against a young lady from Kazakhstan with a phenomenal mm. serve. She actually served faster and I think almost as accurately as uh, Serena Williams. Hey, by the way, one of the players, boys, that I really love seeing back in action, Victoria Azarenka. Yep. What, what a story. And, you know, now she's a mum and back on the tour. That's right. And I think that if she was, if you could pick a player the rest of the year that could make another long, deep run into a slam, then you could say that player was, was Azarenka. And, and she's won slams in the past. And you could tell that she's now super, super motivated. And it's been a long road for her uh, to, to get back to this point. But yeah, I think uh, Azarenka is definitely a player to watch uh, the rest of the year. What a uh, and what about the we saw it last year with the special case and the job done <laughs> in the men's doubles and we've got a new combination which was fantastic to see. Can you say their name? Ah, uh, Kubler. I know Kubler and Huchikata. Huchikata. Nichikata. Nichikata. What, what a performance it was from those boys. Uh, haven't played a lot of doubles together, but my goodness, going into your first Grand Slam as a combination and uh, to get the job done, what a great effort and great to see them uh, find the Aussie flag. Well, it's funny because I think someone nicknamed them Team Kinky, which I thought was, was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I guess you get the, the cross between Kubler and, and Hishikata. But the funny thing is, I think Jason kept asking Rinky, do you want to play doubles? And I think there was a, I don't know, there was some kind of hesitation there between the two. And, and I think it was uh, that now they've, they've played and I think they're going to play the rest of the season in the slams. And I think... Uh, I think they're going to try and make the, the year-end Masters uh, for doubles at, at the end of the year. But, yeah, great to see uh, great to see the Aussies win out there. Yeah, gee, haven't we produced some doubles combinations over the years? Uh, David, uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. What's coming up for you in 2023? Well, mate, I've got uh, my autobiography. Uh, that'll be coming out oh. at some point uh, this year. So, uh, yeah, I'll be... I'll be out there definitely uh, promoting that. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be – I think 2023 is going to be uh, a big year, and I hope it's, uh, I hope it's successful for everyone. Yeah. Gee, do, do we get a mention? We might not get a launch. We might, we're not, we might have to launch it here on the show. How good would that be? Let's make that happen. Uh, what's it called, mate? Oh, mate, uh, we've got a few details still under wraps at the moment. But, uh, yeah, it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be very, very exciting. Yeah, that music in the background, it means we're heading off to the news. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining us, mate. I'm giving you another yeah, outstanding. standing ovation. Two words, outstanding. David Hall, pleasure to have you back on the show. Good on you, boys. Uh, enjoy your time in Budgerwood. Yeah, will do. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we'll talk to Mark Firth, who's about to do Delirious West, the ultra marathon in WA, along with Melissa Robertson and Terry TK Kennedy. That's coming up next on Saturdays on the coast. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back to Sevens by the Sea at Budgie Woy. We're loving this tournament. We had Scott Moroni join us in the first break of the day and 26 teams, over 40 matches and looking forward to the finals later on today and Thank you again to Bendigo Bank, $6,000 in prize money for yeah. the winners. So that is magnificent. Uh, Butes, good to hear Mark Braybrook reading the news on SEN. Yeah, they've got all the big guns, don't they? 
and then there's us. Well, he's been a sports specialist. Uh, speaking of the news, have a look at this. Uh, one of the greats. Yeah, one, one of the greats. Of the great. Standing right in front of us. Quite often I'll see him at sporting events in Sydney and I always give him a shout-out as one of the world's best news readers. Ladies and gentlemen, Big Ross Baxter. Good morning, mate. Good morning, boys. Great to be back. The band's back together. But are you sure you're not talking about the former Ross Bryant? Well, he's not former. He's still alive. But... Yes. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Your daughter's playing in this tournament. Tell she us is, more. Yeah, she's playing for the Briars her, uh, her first season. So she's got her first cap off and uh, underway. Got a couple of touches and a couple of tackles, so the nerves are settled. <laughs> and, uh, mate, uh, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a sensational place to hold a sevens tournament. How good is it? What about Ross Baxter? What are one of the great on-air blunders of all time. Remember that? <laughs> Do we remember? Oh, yeah. we remember it. We don't need to repeat it, though. No, yeah. no, no, we don't need to repeat it, but it does come up, and it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting, uh, you know, over the years, my daughter's friends have said, oh, we've Googled or we've heard about this. Is, is this true? And uh, uh, I said, yeah, it's not the finest, but look, it's not the finest moment of my career, but it's probably yeah. the one that I'm most remembered for. And <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do remember that day vividly because... There were never so many phone calls come through to the station. I know, because it's funny. I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and as you know, when we on that weekend, not to give too many secrets away, I was doing news for a number of stations, so it was uh, recorded. And I'm sitting at my desk getting ready, and I've, I've walked into the uh, into the studio where you are, and the phone lights are going berserk. And you said, "We've only just, we haven't even kicked off. Is there a competition running?" And I said, "Oh." I thought I had the station replay back, got the actual air. I think I may have dropped the F-bomb half a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it can happen to anybody, mate. can yeah. happen to anybody. Well, look, out of the three of us, I'm the only one that almost made an appearance on Media Watch. So. Yeah. And, uh, and so tell us about your daughter. You were just telling me a great story about her coach is so encouraging oh, that look. these are a, a mix of girls that have come from different sports. Well, as you know, Steve, uh, my daughter's a netballer, uh, you know, has played rep and uh, state netball and uh, wanted to uh, expand. And she joined the Briars as part of the Inner West Sydney Club. And um, they're just absolutely fantastic. I've never met a coach who's more encouraging of the girls. I was telling Steve, uh, again, I've got to, got to uh, calm it down. Uh, the the, the pre-game speech this morning was, right, our girls. <laughs> Get your heads in the game because there's going to be someone who's going to tackle the hell out of you and they won't give a continental who you are. <laughs> and, uh, of course, that's the typical Kiwi uh, approach to rugby. They love their rugby. But great um, great mix of girls, great team, very supportive, and uh, I think they'll do well. It's amazing, amazing, Ross, you know, when you think about, you know, your daughter's a netball and has always been a netballer, but just uh, to see the way the game, rugby union, rugby league, Women's sport in general, the way it has opened up so many pathways for young girls. And, and, and you know what? It actually is really interesting to see where women's sport will be in 10 years' time because it's come such a long way so quickly. And can I pick up there? Because there's been so many studies done on young girls being a part of a team atmosphere. Yeah. And look, I, I think you're right, Bibbs. Women's sport, I actually really enjoy going and watching uh, the Sevens and, and even the league. You the know, NRLW, yes. And the NRLW. Because, you know, I... I I put it to when Japan, when the Japan, the Japanese first started playing rugby, they threw themselves at it. You know, it was almost kamikaze rugby, yeah. where they were just into everything, and and the women are the same. And not that they have anything to prove, but they go in going, well, we've got to show the boys that we are just as good, if not better, as this. And look at the Australian rugby seven side, yeah, um, world you know, champions, current world, world champions. champions, and great role models for uh, for young girls. And two young girls from the Central Coast in Faith Nathan yes. and Soraya Parkey. Yeah. Hey, Roscoe. You talk to any former player and they say they miss being around the team. Yep. Is that how you feel about the 2GO days when we were all together? And last weekend, we celebrated the 50th birthday of Danny Torrenson. Yes, yeah. Uh, 
who's one of our dear friends. I do. I, look, it's four years since we we all walked away, and um, I've got back into the corporate life down in um, in Sydney and a few little gigs here and there. At uh, no. Holding the microphone today is, uh, you know, it's that, that passion still ignites and uh, whether it's news, whether it's sport or it's uh, spinning the old discs and part a few tracks as we used to call it in the old days when the fantastic plastic, when the needle hit the fantastic plastic, it was great at 33 and a third. <laughs> hey, good to see you, mate. Hey, we better get to our next guest and uh, it's Mark Firth, Melissa Robertson and TK Terry Kennedy. Can you believe, Buttes, these guys are off to do Delirious West in WA either 200 or 100 miles, gets underway on the 8th until the 12th of February. Mark, good morning, mate. Welcome back to our show. G'day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, we're well. And uh, have you got the three-ring circus there? Is Melissa there and also TK? Mate, I, I do. Um, I brought them along because we're all still friends at the moment. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's all happy days. You know, we've got a few days to go, but, um, you know, we'll see how we go when we finish. Hey, Mark, uh, as you know, I love these kind of stories. So, I mean, this is mind-blowing. Are you all doing the 200-mile? And is that like around about 350 kilometres? Yeah, that's the go. Um, the race is uh, 350. We're all doing the 200-miler. Um, yeah, so it starts at Northcliffe and goes all the way down to Albany uh, through all the sort of trails, the Bibbleman track. And, uh, yeah, it should be pretty exciting. Explain to us, you know, the conditions that you'll be going through. The heat, obviously, is going to be a factor. Um, and, yeah, what you can expect while you're out there. Yeah, I think um, we, we, we look at a few things. I think we've watched the heat over there at the moment, and it's really it has been really hot, but we're hoping that it'll drop a little bit by the time we get there. But first day, apparently, is pretty tough, pretty open. Um, and then just sort of hit the sand dunes. So we're expecting it to be hot. Um, oh. I think we're sort of also a bit... Expecting a few of the, the wildlife creatures to be out at night. Some of the snakes and stuff Melissa talks about. She seems to have fallen in love with the, the snakes in Perth. She reckons that we'll see a lot of them. And, uh, so, yeah, it should be fun. Hey, uh, can we ask Melissa a question? Because she's a seasoned veteran of this event. Is, is Melissa there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So this will be... I've actually done it twice before, so this is my third time. I, I, I don't really know why I'm doing it again. I make bad life decisions, <laughs> but... It's a good race. <laughs> yeah, Melissa, tell us about your previous experience there, where you finished, and what the boys can expect, because this is one of the toughest races on the planet. Uh, yeah, I definitely say it would be. Um, I've come second and third at Delirious West, so I'm kind of going for the win this time to round out the podium. Um, I think that they should expect a very scenic and yet tough race. Like Percy was saying, that first day, you're kind of in the desert, not much cover, it's all hot. And then you hit the coast and it's on the Southern Ocean, so you get these nice, cool breezes. And all these snakes of a night in the sand dunes because they're hunting the frogs. And, um, yeah, that, that's quite exciting. Uh, you get these giant tingle trees, the kari trees, and you get to do, actually part of the run is this treetop walk where you're doing this walk like... Oh. 20 metres up in the sky, like, just touring all these trees. And that's literally part of the course. So, overall, it's good fun. What's your target time, Melissa, to go to cover 350 kilometres? And uh, Um, this is a race, too, that I know in the last few years it's been called off due to COVID. So, fantastic that it's back on. Yeah, yeah. So, I haven't actually been out against WA. I last ran in 2020 like a couple of weeks before COVID restrictions all kicked in and the world changed. 
so I haven't been able to get over there since. Um, I've previously gone in, I think it was like 76 hours and 82 hours, so I'm kind of going for 80 hours this year. don't really know. It'll depend on the weather conditions, a lot of it, how hot it is, how tough it is. Yeah. I think there's, you know, you think about that, Merlin, and, you know, the time in which you've got to take to, to get through this event. What about the recovery process? How long does it actually take you to get over the event? Um, actually, that's not too bad. There's a few days where, because I haven't actually slept during that time, or at most I'll sleep like maybe half an hour or an hour in like three days. So there's, there's a lot of napping afterwards, a lot of laying on beaches, um, not much movement. And yeah, about a week later, I'll be back running. Yeah. Oh, Melissa is an absolute legend in the local running scene. Hey, uh, is TK there? We'd like to ask TK a couple of questions. I am. I am, Steve, yeah. Hey, TK, great to have you on the show, mate. And uh, this is, is this your first crack at an ultra marathon? And tell us some of the reasons that have motivated you to take on Delirious West. Yeah, it is actually my first crack at anything like this as well. I've done a few, um, done a lot of Ironmans and marathons as well. So I've got some running uh, background uh, a little bit over the last sort of 10 years. But I was sitting down with uh, Mark Firth, uh, who, who, who we're on with, obviously, and um, sat down with him at Bateau Bay for a coffee and said, Mark, I'm just struggling to find some motivation to do an event. So whatever you sign me up for, I'll do. So I walked away from that coffee going, okay, he said, right, we're going to do your fastest 5K, 10K, half marathon and marathon. I went, sweet, that's what I've got in a year. And I get home and I get this uh, entry for Delirious West and I went, this must be a mistake. I said, Mark, have you, what, the, what have you done? So I, just, I thought about it a bit differently and I thought, I reckon you can go a little, you've got six months to train and you always say within six months you can change your life and you can do anything. So you've got six months, you're going to do this race, but I'll do it with you. So that, that was kind of a, that was how, how it's gone about. So the last six months of Stayed injury free and after running, and uh, here I am, ready to go. Yeah, fantastic. And, and TK, have you done the Hawaiian Ironman in the past? Haven't you? I have. Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough through uh, uh, comp- competition called uh, COVID. In, uh, sorry, uh, COVID. Uh, Kona Inspired, where I was like uh, about ten years ago. I had a, a stroke and a heart attack, and um, as part of my rehabilitation, I had to learn to walk again. And that was um, that six months rule that I just talked about. They said, well, we're in six months. My neurologist suggested I cycle and swim. So um, I took on that, did the Melbourne Ironman within six months, and then uh, Kona Ironman contacted me and said, would you be interested in, uh, in doing Kona? And I said, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would love to. So actually, that actually Mark, so again, that was uh, where I first met Mark. Um, I did that event as well. And uh, that was hot, and I'm getting to enjoy these. These heat races, I, I weigh a little bit more than Mark and, and Melissa, but uh, um, I, I love the heat. Yeah, fantastic story, mate. And uh, look, I believe my sources are telling me that you're so concerned about a certain aspect of the race, and that yeah. is getting blisters, that you've actually engaged one of the leading blister experts in Australia, if not the world, to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, that's true. A doctor named Rebecca Rustin. Um, but the interesting thing, I read my, uh, I thought I'd write to her, I stalked her and found her and, and I wrote, to her, wrote her an email and said, hey, here's my blister plan, what do you think? And she replied back and said, Terry, I'm afraid you're underprepared. There's nothing I can do to help you. <laughs> and I went, oh dear. So let me, do, let me go to a different rabbit hole. So I went down the Dr. Rustin rabbit hole and begged and pleaded and she gave me a plan to, to try and minimise uh, minimize the, the shearing or the skin 
caring and if you get a blister, what to do as well. So Melissa's also been great in saying that. But it's, I think it's inevitable over that distance you are going to get some sort of uh, some sort of blistering as long as it can take you out of the race. So I'd hate to uh, have a plan for that. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that would be agony if you're trying to complete 350 kilometres. Hey, can we ask Mark another question uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, Mark, the, the question is, do you expect to see Melissa once the gun goes or will she just be out of sight? And and what is the plan? Like, are yourself and TK going to do this as a, almost as a team and cross the line together? What, what's the strategy? Right. The, str- the strategy is a, a quite a um, quite a, a well-planned assassination plan, really. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do is we are going to both start together. We have to stay within, let's call it, 50 metres of one another. We are not allowed to get out of sight, so to speak. And we are basically, whoever's going to be the weakest link will, will sort of just have to be dragged along. But where we're going to start in the pack, we are actually going to start in last position. We are going to make sure that every single person in the event is in front of us. And we're going to give them all the opportunity to go five or ten k's coming last. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start picking them off one by one by one. And we've agreed that we're going to go easy the first day and then we're going to strike at night. So what we've realised is everybody likes to sleep, but we don't like sleep very much. So we're going to move up the pack at night and we're just going to sort of dovetail and and just jockey one by one. Now, what Melissa's got to worry about is she knows that we have a very strong mindset and we're probably not going to stop. So she'll be well ahead. She could be hours ahead, but she knows that we will be coming. (laughs) And it'll probably be at night. And it'll probably be at night. Stalking the prey. Yeah, fan, that, fantastic. So that's the hey, uh, can you make sure? Can you make sure that you get lots of footage for us? And you know how, uh, just a technical thing. You know how most people film vertically. Yeah. Flick your phone horizontally so we can use that footage on MBN TV when you guys get home. I have a sneaking suspicion that I am going to get a significant amount of fantastic footage. Um, there will be some very vulnerable moments. I just hope, um, see, Terry Kennedy has a, a BJJ background, so he actually's, um, he's actually very good at wrestling. So I've actually been told that um, not to pick on him too much because he may choke me out and leave me out in the dune somewhere. So um, <laughs> that, that can be arranged. <laughs> yeah, well, so well we're, good we're luck to you guys. Good luck, you guys. Uh, we're so proud of everything you've all achieved already, and this is just a, another notch on the belt. Delirious West coming up next week. And uh, Mark Firth, Melissa Robertson, and TK, Terry Kennedy, good luck, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. See ya. Have fun. Hey, we're off to our next break. Uh, Butte's coming up soon. We'll talk to Gary Birkinshaw. Yes. There's been some incredible performances Lots of centuries and plenty of wickets in the last couple of weeks in local cricket. We'll also talk about the Big Bash final with Gary Birkinshaw. Steve Graham joining us. His son, Matt. Wow, what a win. In fact, this is one of the best best wins of his career. Deer Valley. Like, it's one of the... Is that one of the pinnacles? He loves Deer Valley. He's won there before. In fact, it was an Aussie uh, gold rush last night because Jakara Anthony also won. So he was on the dais with Jakara Anthony, and it's his first win in over two years. In fact, he set a new PB at Deer Valley. So we'll discuss that. And one of our new segments, Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week, is coming up on SEN. 
Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're live at Sevens by the Sea, the rugby tournament. Loving it today, uh, hosted by the Lakes and over 20 teams, 26 in fact, and over 40 matches and the finals being played later on today. And $6,000 in prize money, Buttes. And this is something that you guys aspire to do at Oztag. Yeah, well, we've got, a, uh, we've got plans to run a beach tag tournament up in the Gold Coast uh, in September. And, uh, you know, I've got this feeling that... And it's very popular. We've got a tournament down in Clamour uh, in a couple of weeks' time and also Maroubra. And it's become really popular. I think Clamour has over 100 teams competing in the in the tournament so i've no doubt it, you know in five years time the beach tag could be something that especially in that summer period up on the gold coast mate it's not going to get any better than that hey Butes, uh, speaking of kiama they're right alongside us and yeah. they're pumping out some really cool tunes and look like they've got some great athletes in their club and they are the reigning champions in the men's they certainly are some big boys there my goodness these guys their calves are bigger than my quads right? yeah so there's some big I and mean, i dare say they've got a. Uh, a little bit of Fijian background, some of them, are, who are the kings of uh, rugby sevens. And, uh, yeah, these guys are certainly here to defend their title, Steve. There's uh, no doubt about it. I'll tell you what I saw last week, too, up at Nobby's. I saw Beach Rugby Fives, which yeah. looked fantastic. So just another concept to get people engaged and play the game they love. Hey, let's go to our next guest. And I noticed there's been some unbelievable performances in Central Coast cricket in the last couple of weeks. Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw, joins us. Guru, are you on the golf course this morning? Welcome back to the no, show. Mate. And uh, where are you, my friend? Yeah, good. Mate, just at home, actually, today. Yeah, no, just, uh, <laughs> just at home. Just a bit of work around the house, dog. So all good today, all good. You're like in that Channel 9 control room with about 20 screens and uh, watching sport oh. all around the world. Of course, uh, Super Bowl coming up soon and LeBron getting close to breaking the all-time record set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But in local cricket, I've noticed, mate, we've had more centuries than ever before in the last fortnight. Tell us more. It's been an amazing couple of weeks, to be honest, uh, Steve and, and Butte. Just the performances both with bat and ball at, at first grade level has just been unbelievable. Like last last round, we had actually four centuries scored and, and a seven-wicket haul and two five-wicket hauls as well. So... Some, some really, really good performances as we approach the finals. Could you could you name names? I certainly can. So for the centuries, we had Simon Keane from the entrance. He, he scored 107. Sean Eaton, 105, not out. For Brisbane Water, Brady Pennington, uh, he got 100 off 62 balls for for Lizarrow Arimba. And then in the in the T in the one day game uh, last uh, last Sunday, Brock Hardy scored his fourth century for the season and. Uh, Having, having a fantastic year, and he he finished up with uh, I'll just be able to get the, the correct figure here for you to be to be honest. I just got it here in front of me. He um he ended up with uh, just coming up now against Lizrow River at Sawyer Park. He got uh, one hundred and twenty one not out of fifty nine balls. Oh wow! So what just, a performance! Yeah. This is in a one. Like, was this in a one dayer? In a one-day game, yeah. So that was yeah, that was wow. Brock's fourth century for the season. He's had a fantastic year, and with the ball, like that, the bowlers haven't missed out either. Scott Birkinshaw, my son, he took seven for thirty off twenty-one overs last week for Lizrael Rimba. Daniel Hill for Watervale took five for thirty-seven, and of course Chris Archer, left-arm 
spinner with uh, with great uh, native representative level. He took five for 65 off 16 overs for Northern Powell. So, look, the, the, the good players are certainly coming to the fore at the moment. Some really good cricket being played. And so, Gary, where are we at in the competition? Right, so as we, we enter today, today is the, the day one of the second last round. So there's, there's two more rounds to go. And uh, um, it's, it's a pretty... It's a, it's a pretty exciting finish as we, we're looking at it there. Now, we play a top four, so at the moment in men's competition, we've got the entrance. They've been, they've been a standout all year, so they're still unbeaten sit, sitting on, on top. They're on 75 and a half points. Northern Power, they're sitting in second position. They were the two that I spoke about, Steve, at the season launches, being the uh, the, the big favourites of the competition. They're on 66. King Cumbravoca, the, the defending premiers, and they seem to be there every year. They're on 60 points. And Terrigal Matcham, they're on 54.5. But but just out of the out of the, the top four at the moment, we've got Southern Spirit. They're on a bit of a slide at the moment, but uh, they're on 48.5. Uh, Lizaro Rimba, they're on 41. So they'll need to have some luck go their way. But two two-day games to go. Uh, plenty of plenty of good games to come up. And gee, I'm really looking forward to the final series in, in a month's time. Hey, Gary, I want to ask you about women's cricket in just a moment. But let me paint a picture. Yep. So the reigning champions, Kaiama Rugby, they're right in front of us now. The boys have put some gangster rap on, and I tell you, they've got their game face on. They're going through their stretches. I think they're about to come into a huddle in just a moment. There might even be a prayer, I think, and then it is showtime. And these guys, there's a couple of guys there, Buttes, that look like, like they might be about 105, 110, and it is pure muscle. I can't wait to see Kayama, the reigning champions, in action in a few moments' time. Looking forward to it, Steve. Have a look at them. They're stretching up. The, Do I you can, share my enthusiasm? Mate, I can see the steam coming out of some of their ears. I'm actually sitting back here scared. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be taking these guys on. That's all I know. Yeah. Burko, I do notice that Rochelle Davis has been named in the Australian country female merit side. That deserves a, a round of applause on Saturdays on the coast. Tell us more about her selection. Oh, that, that was such a fantastic performance by Rochelle. First... Um, First Central Coast female player to, to make the, the All Australian Merit side, and she's a wicket keeper. Plays for the for the Wyong Club. Um, she had a fantastic tournament. She took five catches, two stumping, and was, and was involved in three runouts. So she, she's a very good bat as well. But didn't get much of an opportunity with the bat, just with the format of the cricket down there. The women's play T20 matches, so she didn't get much of an opportunity. But to be selected, she was named the wicket keeper of the tournament and make uh, the All Australian side as a wicket keeper. It was a Fantastic effort. She played in the New South Wales countryside, which also included Amy Cunningham, Sophie Shelley, and um, and uh, Rochelle Davis, obviously, and Grace Dignam. They all played for New South Wales country. Who unfortunately, lost the final in a super over to South Australia. So they had a fantastic tournament. Just come up a little bit short, but great effort by Rochelle. Yeah, and just finally, Burko, can you give us your thoughts on the Big Bash League final? Who you think will win tonight? I think Perth Scorchers will win. I think Brisbane Heat's done a fantastic job uh, to make the final. I think Perth Scorchers, they've been a standout, not only this year, but for the past couple of years. They've, they've, had, you know, they've got a really settled side and uh, playing at home in front of their home crowd, I think they'll be very hard to beat. Yeah, awesome to get you back on the show and we'll have you back in the host chair when Buttes takes yeah. off to uh, you know, numerous tournaments throughout the year, including the World Cup. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Over in Ireland, can't wait. Good on you, Burko. Thanks for your time. Good on you guys, and welcome back. Gary Birkinshaw, one of the world's best administrators. Uh, we're off to the news. We'll come back soon 
with Steve Graham, Matt's dad, after the big win in Deer Valley. And one of our new segments, Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week, coming up. And we do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, 60 years of family culture. I was up at Robson's at Summersby this week, and they're pumped buttes about a, a big year ahead. They've got so many plans. They, they still need staff. Yeah. So if you want to be a part of the Robson team, join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. And a shout-out to Grant Robson and also one of our great mates who listens every week to this show, Greg Ferguson, Ferguson. Ferguson. who's been promoted now. He's no longer resources manager. He's been bounced up the chain. And Is he one of the big dogs now? I think he's almost like 2IC. Wow. Yeah. Little Fergie. Yeah, and his, his wife, Jean, is the recruitment manager. So... Gene Ferguson is the person yeah, to talk to right. if you'd like a career at Robson's. 60 years, Steve. 60 it's, years they've been doing it for. It's an incredible business story, and congratulations to them. And now they're also in Sydney, they're in Mudgee, they're in Dubbo, right through the Hunter Valley as well. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. Back in just a moment. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. Sevens by the sea and the countdown is on. We're about to see Kayama, the reigning men's champions. I think they're in action in just a few moments' time. In fact, let's have a look at the draw, what happens after we go off the air, Buttes. So... Just after 11 is Lakes versus Picolvin in the men. Hamilton versus Nelson Bay. Gosford will take on Forests. And then in the ladies, Terrigal back in action. They had a good win earlier. They're up against Linfield at 11.45. Warnervale versus Avoca. So it could be an all-Central Coast matchup in the women's. Yep. And then later on today, just after three, is quarterfinals. Ladies' Cup semis just after four. Ladies' Cup final is 5.05. The, the men's plate final is 5.25. Men's Cup final, 5.40. And games finish by 6. And then they hand over the $6,000 in prize money thanks to Bendigo Bank. Big, big day here. And, you know, the sun's shining. There's a slight little breeze here, Steve, which is enough to cool you down just ever so slightly. But non-stop rugby action. They're going back-to-back games. Uh, and as Scott said earlier on, it's, you know, five-minute halves. Bang, bang, teams are off as soon as that hooter goes and they're on for the next game. Hey, Buttes, a couple of quick shout-outs. Uh, my beautiful mum is listening on the Gold Coast, Mandy Allen, and she said she loved our chat about the Aussie Open. Uh, her only disappointment was Rafael Nadal going out, and uh, she loves Rafa. Yeah. One thing is his whole campaign down under was disappointing by his incredible standards. He wasn't happy with the, with the balls, and I don't think he was all that happy with the surface either. And it kind of showed. He went out pretty quickly in all of his tournaments. Yeah, he'd be disappointed with the, you know, he obviously uh, sees himself getting into the second week most in most tournaments. Uh, and the fact that he, you know, went out so early. Uh, was After what we saw, he's the only one that could have pushed Djokovic. Yeah. I, I, if look, he was in good form. Correct. And, and you know, again, the, the performance of Djokovic was outstanding and, you know, Rafa, you know, he's got the French coming up at some stage and he's going to be... Yeah, see you at Roland Garros. Correct. <laughs> he, he'll be ready to go, I can assure uh, you of that. The NARC has sent a message through. The NARC, a.k.a. Bluey, yes, he sent a message through. He's listening in, so uh, a big shout-out to Bluey. We had a couple of beers last night. so. Um, and let's go back to headquarters, because Adam, uh, on the text line, uh, we've had a message, is it from the bald badger? Yeah, that's right, boys. Uh, <laughs> morning, Velvet Fog and Buttes. Great to hear you're back. 
It makes my 10k walk a lot more enjoyable. It's beer for ears. Love the bald badger. A beer for the ears. I love it. That could be our new slogan. And uh, the bald badger, you may have heard, he's actually been invited back to the 10th anniversary of Dancing with the Stars. Yes, yes, so yes, yes. He's got a lot of fundraisers coming up. We'll tell you all about those, including a trivia night that he's holding at Berkeley Vale School next month. And as we all know, it raises money for the Cancer Council. So every single cent going to a worthwhile cause. Speaking of the Cancer Council... A little later this year, I think it's in April, and we'll broadcast live from the event, the Cancer Council are holding a swim at Terrigal. Mm. Uh, the Cole Classic is on tomorrow. That's a big swim in Sydney. There'll be around about 1,000 people. You're heading down to that, Steve? You and uh, Sharon are going to have a bit of a swim? Yeah, my beautiful wife Sharon's yeah. doing the 1K. I'll do the 2K at Manly, so it's one of the biggest races on the calendar. Hey, let's go to a guy who's been waiting on hold. And I'm rising for a standing ovation. His son, Matty, yeah. winner at Deer Valley yesterday. Career best performance. It's right up there with his silver medal uh, at the Winter Olympic Games. Steve Graham, good morning. The family must be absolutely buzzing after Matt has won at Deer Valley yet again. Hey, Steve. Hey, Butch. How are you going, boys? Thanks for having us on the show. Absolutely, absolutely ecstatic. Uh, we worked it yesterday. Cracked a bottle of champagne last night. Watched it again. Mate, it was unbelievable. It was so good. Yeah, now he's been in good form. Uh, you know, he's been kind of top six in the singles pretty much right through the season. But what was the difference yesterday at a course that he absolutely loves where he's won previously at Deer Valley in Utah? Oh, Steve, I think last night was just a simple case of um, he put it all the pieces together. You know, he's been knocking on the door, top six, as you said, for all season. And... Um, Mate, he just got it on the day and just enjoyed, had a bit of fun and it was just like back in Pyeongchang five years ago. He's, uh, he's shown some character, Hot Dog, after the, you know, the collarbone injury and, you know, to come back and uh, put himself in this position uh, to work really hard, um, you know, despite that injury. Um, you must be... You know, tell us a bit about what he's had to go through over the last 12 months to, uh, to get himself and get his mind back in the game. Yeah, you're pretty right there, but um, I guess it was about seven weeks before the Olympics, which would have been um, December, the year before last, where he broke his collarbone, and we thought, oh, well, that's going to be a challenge. So they patched him up, bolted him back together again, and he got out there for Beijing. Didn't have, didn't have the Olympics that he wanted, but um, we found out after he got back that the surgery that he had um, didn't mend, the bone didn't mend, so... Uh, it would have been March last year. He went back in for a second surgery and, and a bone graft to try and get the collarbone to heal this time around, which put him out for another three months in the lead-up to the Australian winter. And then he only just made it back in time for that. Had a great season um, competing domestically at the Australian Open, winning all three events. And then um, just before he went overseas, uh, end of October, early November, another X-ray proved that the collarbone still hadn't healed. So um, the surgeon from Sydney said, well, you really probably shouldn't be skiing because um, if you have another crash, it could completely shatter it and um, that'll be it uh, for your left shoulder forever. So anyway, he, he decided he was going to go because it wasn't bothering too much. Parked that sort of injury out in left field and surgery scheduled for March when he gets back after the world champs for a third hey. go to try and get it right. Steve, uh, what makes this even sweeter is that at Deer Valley, Matt's the last guy to go. 
So if I paint a picture here, he's got to beat the GOAT, Mikhail Kingsbury. Give us the numbers. What did he need? What did he need to finish number one on the podium? Well, um, as I said, we were watching and we watched Ben Kivet come down. He was third last skier. He's put down an 81 and a half. And then Mikhail Kingsbury, the GOAT, um, which everybody knows he is and has been for 12 years, he's put down an 83 and a half. And I thought, oh, well, he'll have to let it go this time. Um, or it's second again. And he just stepped up. And um, 83, 85 and a half. And we thought, hallelujah. But the speed was just out of this world. Like, that was probably one of his Achilles heels in years gone by with his pace. But he, we did a lot of work, or he did a lot of work with his equipment, technically changed his boots, changed his skis, changed the mounting setup for the bindings. And um, that's given him another probably second and a half speed down the hill, which and he needed every bit of it um, last night. And, yeah, he came away with the win. It was pretty spectacular and pretty fast. Yeah, and... Butes, I know you've got the next question, but you could hear the stadium announcers and they were buzzing at the performance of Matt. Actually, I'd like to ask Hot Dog as well. When Matt finished, he's gone crashing into a barrier. It looked like he could have broken the collarbone again because he's he's slid into the barrier, didn't he, Hot Dog? I, I was concerned for him after, after his run. Yeah, well, it gets a little bit chewed up down the bottom of the finish area and there's a lot of soft, soft snow gets pushed into the into the finish barriers uh, from all the athletes pulling up during the course of the event. But I think when he crossed the finish line, he knew he'd done such a good run. I think it was a celebratory crash. And um, <laughs> I think he, he knew he'd done enough. So it was um, just a matter of the judges to confirm it, of course. But, mate, it was, it was quick. It was really you, quick on that course. So, uh, Hot Dog, how do you rate this as, uh, you know... It was one of his top performances. Like, where do you put this? You know, he's obviously had the, the silver medal at the Olympics and he's won previous uh, events. But where do you rate this performance from Matt uh, overall in his career? Uh, look, it's way up there. Um, anytime you win at Deer Valley in front of twelve or 13,000 people in the crowd, you know, it's the grand final um, of, of the tour. And to do it there in front of such a massive crowd with the whole world watching, it's up there with Olympics. Um, but any time you beat Mikhail Kingsbury, and he's only done it four times, um, and yeah. look, let me tell you, there's not too many people that have beaten him four times, um, or more than four times. I think there's only one other that's knocked him on the head a few more times than four, and that's a, a Kuma Horishima from Japan. But um, look, it's it's because of the speed, Buttes, I think it's really up there with one, probably one of his best performances. Score-wise, it was definitely a PB, so that sort of ticks another box in that regard. But, look, it was just out of this world. It was just fantastic. Yeah, well, he won by almost two points. So, at in that sport, that's an emphatic victory. Does he compete today in the duels? No, well, tomorrow's duels. Today, because Deer Valley is such a big event, they combine um, aerial skiing with mobile skiing and dual skiing, mobile skiing. So, today's, whilst it's a training day with the state that his body's in at the moment, he's not going to... He'll, he'll just sort of be a spectator for the aerials and support all the Aussie girls that are competing in that event. And they come out tomorrow and qualify or start qualifying in the round of 64 for the duels. If he gets down to the last 16, he'll be on again on the live stream at 1.30 tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, well, I tell you, it's what a start to the year. Mm. It's, it's one of the great sporting moments that I've seen. Uh, Steve Graham, thank you so much for your time. Give our love to Debbie and the entire family.
And well done to Matty Graham. What a run at Deer Valley. He's loved that course since he had his first win there. And then after almost two years, he gets another win at the famous ski resort in Utah. Thanks for joining us, mate, and all the best. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Butch. Have a great weekend. See you, boys. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We've had some outstanding guests to kickstart our campaign in 2023. If you missed anything, simply go back to the catch-up podcast. Mm. And I did mention, Buttes, yeah. we made like the top 200 in Egypt. Yes, so unbelievable. We've gone global. We are hitting everywhere. We're going everywhere. Now, I just want to touch on the fact that with Matty Graham, uh, former Danica Clark scholarship holder, yes. um, we had the applications for Danica Clark uh, scholarships this year. 80 applications. Now, we have got some serious work to do over the next couple of days going through those applicants, which, yeah. you know what, this is 15, 14, 15 years the foundation's been going. I think that's two and a half times more than we've ever, ever received. And, and I do wonder if some of the economic climate, like with interest rate rises, it's harder and harder. Yep. And there's, there's predictions there could be three or four more this year. So imagine trying to put a family of you know, talented athletes through their programs. Yeah, 100%. But um, it's... Yeah, we've got a big task ahead of us, the board, in terms of working out who's going to be those scholarship holders. But, uh, you know, what a great um, reflection of what the foundation means to the people of the community on the Central yes. Coast. Yeah, well said, Buttes. Uh, we're off to a break. We're back with a new segment, Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week, to wrap up the show on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, final break of the morning. We're live at Sevens by the Sea at Budgiewoy. We've loved the day. We're watching Southern Beaches warm up at the moment. They'll take on Warnervale a little later on in the day. 12.33, I think that game is. And great to see the Sydney teams here, teams from Kiama as well, yep. also through Newcastle. And uh, Butte's final segment. Here it comes, mate. This is your big one. Let's uh, play the intro, steve Let's have it. Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week. Wow, how good's that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> ab absolutely. And uh, i tell you what I'm really looking for. I want the local community to come behind this. Yep. I'm going to name someone every week, and I think later in the year we'll have a massive prize. We might even have, like, our own award, the SEN Award Saturdays on the Coast. Now, I've only got a couple of minutes here, so I'm going to name... Well, we just heard about Matt Graham. Uh, so we know that's phenomenal. Matt Dawson competed for the Kookaburras and finished fourth at the World Cup. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's the first time they've been off the podium in about 20 years. But Matt Dawson, superb. Nicola McDermott has started her year, Nicola Oleschlag, as I should say, yes. with a leap of 1 metre 98, and she narrowly missed 203, which would have been a new Australian record. Just warming up. Yeah. My goodness. Her training partner, Emily Whelan, was second in the event. She set a new PB. Number two on the list this week, Molly Picklam at the Pipeline Pros. So in her opening round, Molly was up against two superstars, Tyler Wright, who's a two-time world champion, mm but also Courtney Conlog, the Californian. Molly wins the heat emphatically. She scores an eight-point ride, which is the highest score of the whole event so far. Then later in her round of 16, she gets a 7.8, I think it was, and that's the second highest score in the whole event. Now she's on a collision course with a five-time world champion, Carissa Moore. Wow. So that's what we can look forward to in the quarterfinals. But my sports person of the week... Hold on, you've just rattled off a whole lot of legends there. 
Yeah. And we haven't even got to number one yet. No, nah, number one. Here we go. What is it? Now, like I said, Buttes, I want this really to be a segment that celebrates grassroots achievements. And so last weekend I did the Nobbies to Newcastle swim. Yeah. Two-kilometre race. Beautiful swim. Really well run up in Newcastle. And around about 400 swimmers. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But there's a young lady from the Central Coast who you'd know her name. She did the Terrigal Ocean, uh, the Toowoom Bay Ocean Swim. Mm. She's gone to the Nobbies to Newcastle Swim. Not only did she win the female category, she also won overall. In fact, her time was about two minutes ahead of the closest male. Wow. So our sports person of the week is Stephanie Carey. Well done. Who's Steph. a member of Shelley Beach Surf Life Saving Club. Did she get beat by... Hayden. Hayden Smith. Hayden Smith, yeah. So Stephanie stops the clock in 30 minutes and 38 seconds. Second place is a young lady, Matilda Smith, in 32.24. Sarah Bull is third in 32.28. So the first three overall are women. The first male home is Chris Wilson in 32 minutes 54. So the inaugural Steve-O Sports Person of the Week is a lady who beats everyone in the field. Out of men and women, Stephanie Carey, congratulations. Well done, Good segment, Steve. Well done. Yeah, thank you, mate. Well done. We've, that's it. One week done. Yeah. We're back, baby. We certainly are. And if you'd like us at your event or your sporting club, we'd love to get around to as many places as possible in 2023. So make sure you reach out to us on Facebook. Also, we'd like to hear about some sports stars that maybe we haven't heard too much about, and we'll get them on the show as well. Thanks for listening. We do it all thanks to Robson Sybil. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the Coast.